Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Teksam Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled Seven Branch Prayer by Kathy Lamo Jackson. In many of our sadhana liturgies, there is a special prayer insert called the Seven Branch. This prayer varies in words, but the meanings and purpose is the same to accumulate further merit and blessings. The seven branches include prostrations, offerings, confession, rejoicing, request Buddha's continued teaching, Buddha's not yet enter into nirvana, and dedication. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karma Teksam Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Kathy Lama Jackson. I'm from Columbus, Karma Texan Chuling, located in Columbus, Ohio. And what's so amazing, I have to say, I know so much is going on right now. One small light in the middle of the darkness is our center, which was burnt to the ground six years ago, is now complete. It's going to be open very soon to the full public. And yesterday, the firemen that took our flag down, which was the Karmapa's dream, the 16th Karmapa's dream flag. A new flag was put up. Lama Kathy was able to find that fireman, fireman, and he put that up. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be at that ceremony, but it looks amazing. So you can look up, I think you can look it up in a lot of places to find that. It was on um, in Columbus, Ohio, NBC4 News, and it was a beautiful story about our flag. So before I get into the, to today's talk, which is on something called the seven branch prayer, um, and I'm also going to be talking about what is accumulation of merit and sort of and how to mix this with your daily, everyday life, this entire practice, so that it's very easy and very rich, enriching. Um, first, we have to talk about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and in the world. Um, it's been a rough last two years for everyone. We fought another type of war with uh, COVID. And hopefully things are looking really good for in that front anymore. Though people are still very sick, but not as many. But regarding the Ukraine and Russia, um, the internet has been amazing uh, with Facebook and Instagram and sharing all the news, all the outreach for help for, with prayers, monetary help, and well wishes. And I just want to, for a moment, relive something. Years ago, I was at KTD Monastery when 9-11 occurred. Our monastery is about an hour and a half, two hours away from New York City. And Tranga Rinpoche was there for a very special ceremony. So my husband and I arrived a week early to help with that. And 9-11 happened, I think, on a Tuesday. And we were there. And a few days later, he then gave a public talk. And people actually were able to arrive from New York City. And I will never forget the rest of my life what he said. And it was so stirring and upsetting to people. People actually left the room. He asked all of us to pray for all the victims in New York City, but even more so 
the people that it caused this negative karma, that it caused the death. He said, you don't even understand how complicated karma is and how this will not only affect those people, but for generations to come. And people were upset that we were praying for our enemy. But it was something that I really took home with me because it's very easy for us to pray for people we like, we favor politically, our relatives, um, we want to be like, that inspire us. And it's much harder to pray for those that we don't care for. So at this time, during today's talk, please hold Ukraine and Russia in your hearts. And all those people that are so bewildered, that have such negativity, that they don't understand, or maybe they don't want to understand the ramifications of war and taking lives in such brutal ways. So if we could hold all of them in our hearts today, pray for all of them. And if this is too uncomfortable for you, don't, don't do it. I'm so sorry, I don't mean to lay this on you. I'm just suggesting what some of the ways that as a Buddhist, we look at the world. We try to step back and have a very big view of compassion though most of us are just pretending we're compassionate, but we're trying. So thank you for listening to me on that account. So moving on, today I'm talking about something called the seven branch prayer. What is it? I would call it a prayer. I'm going to look at my iPad, my other iPad. Hold on. It is a series of practices that are kind of brought together and put in the form of a prayer. And there's seven different factors. What are they? They are, I'm gonna read to make sure I get them all. Prostrations, or we could also say going for refuge or homage, that's one. The second one is making offerings. Then we confess any wrongdoings. Uh, this is really compressed. This is sort of our whole path of Buddhism here in seven different um, phases, you might say, or seven different practices. So we had prostrations or homage, offerings, confessing past wrong deeds, rejoicing in virtue of yourself and others, requesting the Buddhas to continue teaching the Dharma. The sixth one is asking the Buddhas not to leave this world, but to continue teaching. And the seventh is dedicating all of the above. And these all build on each other. So the biggest, and you might say the most important one of all is the very last one, because they just keep getting more and more powerful the way they build. And the Karma Bus stated that these seven um, branches of the prayer embody all the practices of the accumulation of merit that we do. And in a few minutes, I'm going to talk a little bit more, in a lot more detail, what is accumulation of merit? So the, what is the purpose of this practice? It is to accumulate merit, accumulate uh, virtue, includes merit and wisdom. And most of us are still at the level of merit. So we're going to accumulate that by doing this prayer. And where do we find these prayers? Um, sometimes it's just one liner in a, in a sadhana. So there, most of these are in our sadhanas, which um, were from the Tibetan tradition. So these are our prayers that we do. We um, 
and we do them with the visualizations uh, that we often do with deities. Not only those, but primarily in Chenrezig, Amitabha, Green Tara. Green Tara has some very elaborate um, seven branch prayers where it's more than just one little line. It's, it's a whole paragraph. It's really beautiful. In the Nune practice, which is the Thousand Arm Chenrezi practice, let's see where else. In Lundro, uh, during Guru Yoga, we do this. In, if any of you are doing Riro Sanshu, which is the Mountain Dharma smoke offering called Song, it is in there. And it is in the way of the Bodhisattva by Shanti Deva. He has a whole sections on this, on this prayer. So this is something that, so how do we use it? So first of all, I said it was just, it's basically a whole list. It's almost like our bucket list of what we need to accomplish in order to become a Buddha. So past Buddhas and Bodhisattvas reached awakening through purifying their negative karma and through accumulating merit and wisdom. So that was the whole way. And so this and all the practices by Shakyamuni Buddha focus on that. So this, in terms of the roots of this practice, maybe we should talk about its history. It's very inspiring. His Holiness uh, Gyawa Karmapa, the 17th Karmapa, uh, traced the lineage of this prayer from the sutra tradition that belongs to the Mahayana, which is found in the sutra called Ganda Bahu, B-Y-U-H-A. And the sutra contains a chapter known as the Aspiration for Excellent Conduct, which gives the clearest presentation of the seven branch prayer. So this is not a modern prayer. This is an ancient prayer. So what's maybe even more striking is that not only are we doing these prayers, but these prayers have been handed down for centuries. So think of how many saints and sages did these prayers, how many regular practitioners did them. And it is said that the situation we are in now, uh, I'm, I'm going to use my own example, living in a comfortable, quiet home. I have my windows open. I don't hear any warfare. I hear birds chirping. I can see trees. It's early spring ready to pop. This very quiet, wonderful space for practice and the opportunities I've had of all the teachers I've had. I've had physical hardships and have been able to get over them and learn from them because of my teachers. In part, this might be my positive karma, but maybe as much so, it's because people from the past made aspirations by accumulating their merit, doing these prayers and offering them, not just for them, but for all living beings in the past, present, and future. So when we, today we're going to think really in a big scale. This is a very vast concept of thinking of praying for beings in the past, the present, and the future, of thinking, filling the sky with millions of Buddhas from the past, present, and future, millions of teachers. I mean, you can really get really wide in this practice, really vast. If that's overwhelming for you, then you just bring it down and focus on one thing. But it's, it's very astounding sometimes to think how amazing this is. So moving on a little bit. So I talked a little bit about the history. And again, the purpose, uh, I'll read a few uh, more of these by the Karmapa. 
This prayer is found in our daily practices so that we may begin to train our minds to accumulate merit and wisdom and for the benefit of all living beings. And this practice of the seven branch prayer is often introduced when people are taking the Bodhisattva vow because they make this aspiration um, during the Bodhisattva vow or before then. So, and it's also what you would call maybe um, an insert sometimes in different sadhanas. So our modern history is um, Kala Rinpoche and the 16th Karma when they were teaching Buddhism in the 70s and 80s, they inserted this prayer. They decided to insert this in our Chenrezig practice that we do um, in our monastery, usually nightly, that we do at our center. I think we did it today and we do it um, several times during the week. But a lot of people do this practice every day. So it's rather astounding to think that His Holiness had a hand in that to make sure that we really accumulate merit. And as we go on, I'm going to read a few of these. In fact, um, I have several references. So if you're ever interested in the references that I use, um, you can always contact the center or I could just simply maybe talk about them from, um, towards the end of this talk. But one of them that I really love, uh, I didn't use a lot of, but I have in the past, obviously, this book is pretty marked up. This is a book by Kempo Kartu Rinpoche called Chen Mezi. Um, his Spanish-speaking students wanted a teaching on it, and they were so kind and also translated it into English. So the back section's in English. And Rinpoche there um, talks about the seven branch prayers because he goes through the entire sadhana. Normally, when you learn a sadhana, you have usually three things. You get an empowerment at some point. You get a reading transmission called a loan, and you get an instructional transmission called a tree, which Kemper Rinpoche often gives. So often these books are actually his instructional transmission. And I thought maybe with a simple um, example, I would read to you what it, I should first preface the Tibetan language is very, very beautiful. Uh, it's a little richer than ours. So let's first do the first one. I said the first one was prostration, right? In this practice that we do almost daily for some of us, the translation is, with deep and clear faith, I prostrate to the noble and powerful Chenmezi and to all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times. So that's pretty simple. The second one I said was offering. I make offerings, both actual and imagined, of flowers, incense, lights, perfume, food, music, and much else to the assembly of noble ones. Please accept them. And the third limb or branch that I'm gonna talk about today is, I talked about this the last time I talked on confession. So I'll be kind of do a really little talk on that. But the third one is confession. And in the Chenrezig Sadhana, it says, from beginning this time until now, I confess all the 10 unvirtuous acts and the five acts of immediate consequence. All negative actions that I've committed will under the influence of mental afflictions. And the fourth one, I rejoice in the merit of whatever virtue all the different Buddhas have and ordinary people have gathered throughout the three times. And the fourth, please turn the wheel of Dharma of the greater and lesser vehicles to meet the variety of motivations 
of different minds of living beings. Next, until samsara is completely emptied, I beseech you not to pass into nirvana, but to look with great compassion on all living beings caught in an ocean of suffering. And the last one was dedication of merit. May whatever merit I have accumulated become the cause for enlightenment of all beings. Not taking long, may I soon become a magnificent guide for all living beings. So that's just a little example. Um, how do you use the seven branch prayer? You can use it in your sadhanas, as I mentioned. But a lot of people actually study this. They don't just, you know, when you're doing it. I liked what the Karmapa said about this. Gawa uh, Karmapa said so nicely. He said that we chant this prayer so often, we think it's easy and simple and just whiz by it. I'm, I put in the word whiz. We just fly by it. We just say it because it's part of the sadhana. And sometimes it's it's actually like only two lines. It just says, with homage, offering, prostration, you know, it lists them really just one or two words per seven branch, and that's it. So you might not think much about it. And I was thinking what I wanted to teach, and the last time I taught on confession, and the more I learned about confession, I thought we should look at the whole package because this really is a package towards awakening and and helps us along the way. So how would you study this? Well, you will read some of these different books and you would go over them and you would look at the different features. And when you read a teaching by Kempo Rinpoche or His Holiness or His Holiness Dalai Lama or other teachers that are very qualified, they don't just say, and then you do this. They go through it with great Buddhist logic and they, they go through it kind of slowly and take it apart and then put it back together again. And in doing so, it becomes very rich and, and full of examples, very practical daily examples. Um, one example that is used a great deal when they talk about this practice of the seven branch prayers um, has to do with growing a seed. It's so simple. So when you grow a, a plant, let's say, um, I love kale lately. So let's say I want to grow kale. So I can't go out last winter and put the seed in the soil because the sky was too dark. It's too cold. And maybe I didn't have a nice enough soil not an, or maybe too much rain or not enough rain. So whenever you plant a seed, and we're talking about here is the seed of awakening, the seed of developing bodhicitta, the seed of accumulating merit for the benefit of all living beings. We first have to have the right conditions. And so what are those conditions? They would be to have your resources of learning about this practice. So if you can, I, and I really like to give you the homework because um, I'm going to teach this twice. Today I'm teaching part of it and we're going to go through it um, again. I'll do the second half um, next, in, I think next month. So the homework would be Please spend a little time and I can give you some resources to read and really embrace this. Look at this. So if you're at home and you have 10 minutes, you know, Colin Rinpoche used to say um, to learn practices or to learn the language or something, just have a little, like if you were learning Tibetan language, to have that word, uh, some words in your pocket and little cards. If you're at a bank, well, this is the old days. 
when you would stand in line at a bank or wherever you are, just pull them out and look at them for a moment. And I don't want you to stop your, you know, while you're driving, do this. But we have so many resources now. We have amazing computers and internet and our phones. My phone is sort of like my main office. And I have all kinds of quotes on here and all kinds of ideas. And so not only that, but you can also be using this as a tool to really learn this, like put it on your calendar. This week I'm going to learn about what does it mean to really pay homage? What does it mean to make an offering? So that's just a suggestion. So moving on for a second, I've gone, I always move around on, I'm sorry. And I like to t say for a moment, please, um, I at this moment I confess all of my wrongdoings. I'm so sorry you're stuck with me today. But I hope what you take out of this is to learn where you can find the genuine resources to learn these very profound prayers. And I confess in any way if I've learned this incorrectly or put my ego into this. So we talked about where we found this and we talked about the history. So again, going back to the whole point of this practice is what is accumulation of merit? What does that mean? So merit is a virtuous act or a virtue and or good karma that's ener energy generated by positive actions using your body, your speech, and your mind. In particularly Tibetan Buddhism, I'm always talking about the body, speech, and mind. And it's important to understand the essentials of accumulation of merit. So accumulating, so merit, of course, is all the, the goodness that you've generated through your actions. And accumulation is just how to not accumulate it for yourself. In order to make this so that it truly accumulates each time you offer this up. So it no longer is just ordinary merit. It becomes a true accumulation of merit. Now we have three objects that we make these offerings to, or we make the accumulations to. Let me just go through the three objects of accumulation merit. There's a superior or exalted ones, the ordinary or beings that are more at our level. And we particularly talk about our parents in this, which we don't always talk about are our parents. And the next one is the, um, like it's considered lesser. These are beings or people that have not yet had the opportunity to find the Holy Dharma or to work on themselves in any way that are completely bewildered by samsara by the world and are not yet on an active virtuous path so but they're all our guests you might say so looking at um the buddhas and through the well maybe i should just back up for a second so those are the three objects for accumulation of merit how do we do this? One way we actually do the accumulation of merit, we make offerings, we, do, we pray on sadhanas, we say mantras and praises to enlightened beings. We do this with formal and informal practices. So when you do the seven branch prayers, I mentioned very formal prayers we do. You can do the seven branch prayers using your own words and your own style, however you wish to do it. And I remember so many times Kemper Bache before he started 
any teaching, and when he finished every teaching, he would compose a very different dedication. Always. Always different, but it had to do with that moment, that time in our lives, or something was going on in the world like today, um, and the material that we were learning. I also remember Lama Kathy Wesley, so kindly told me, I was once with her when I was very new to Buddhism. We took a walk down the road, and it's very beautiful in the upstate New York at our monastery outside of Woodstock, New York. And I commented on the beauty of the trees. I have a degree in horticulture, so I have a, an affinity for being outdoors, especially looking at trees. And she said that whenever we see something very beautiful, she said always to dedicate that to those that have not yet seen that beauty. And that struck me. And then I really started to play with it a lot more. And I think that's what's so amazing about this practice today. It's vast. And it's very much your practice. This is going to be something that you can do 24-7 that will completely change how you look at your practice because it's it's so it's so personal. So um, we talked about the objects, and remember she talked a lot about, of course, we do this all the time. We know that we focus a lot on the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas because they're enlightened, meaning they live from the experience of their true nature. They are there to solely serve all living beings. Whenever we think of them, they are here. That's kind of part of their contract of being a Buddha. The moment you think of a Buddha, that you need help, they're actually there. Probably, I can't see them, of course. I'm pretty ordinary. But the blessings are also there. And that confidence is there. And this practice particularly, I think, builds up a great deal of confidence in this. So that's one group that we talk a lot about. Let's talk about the ordinary. We don't talk about our parents much. And Rinpoche said that we should really start focusing a little bit more on when we do these practices, we offer this up not only to the superior, but to all the levels, all living beings. And our parents, Rinpoche, um, he did a, a wonderful little booklet on the two accumulations of merit and wisdom. This is from our bookstore in upstate New York, Namse Bonzo. And he talked at length about the sacrifices our parents gave us to have the body we have, particularly our mother, the financial sacrifices our family did for us. I know my I had problems when I was a kid. My parents, I'm certain, went into debt to take care of my physical problems. I will forever be grateful to them. Uh, I'm able to move because of them. I remember she talked about in America, he was very surprised how we have parent issues and we like to be so independent. But he said it's very important as we get older to spend time and try and understand maybe why our parents did what they did and forgive them and have profound gratitude around every aspect because they had everything to do with your strengths, what you what your virtues are. They helped you have an education. I mean, our parents do a lot for us. I don't have children, but I'm always amazed the sacrifices people do for their children. It's so inspiring. So we always think of them because remember our other little practice, which I'm not talking about today, but 
I try to always remember is to be reminded that all living beings have been our parents in past lives. So particularly the power of parents that we have in this life, to try and understand them, especially as we get older and they get older and use that time to spend with them. And then next is the um, everyone else, those, those beings that have not yet connected with the Dharma, that are in need of help of any kind. If you cannot physically give them help, you always pray for them and keep them in your prayers. Someday they will meet the opportunities to awaken. Then moving on, so those were the proper motivation. And I like to also talk about, uh, um, now we're talking, sorry, I'm shifting from accumulation of merit and our group who we're praying for. And now a factor of that is dedication of merit. So when we are doing these practices, when we see something very special or we've done something virtuous, I'm going to give an example. All of you today have spent or wasted, I hope spent, some useful time here thinking about virtue and merit and positive karma and how to help other beings. Well, you've taken time out of the rest of your day, so that's the type of generosity. So I would offer that up. I mean, we're always offering that up. So at the end of your of the day, we should take a moment and don't think, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm a good student. No, no, no. Let go of that. Let go of it and offer it up. That's, that's kind of our motto. All right, so let's focus for a moment on dedication of merit. We always do this at the end of whenever we've done something virtuous, usually after a sadhana, it's a special prayer. There's our famous Sonam Dei prayer. And they're just such beautiful prayers. But you can use your own words whenever you're sitting on a bus um, or subway or plane and you see an extraordinary virtuous act, even a little virtuous act of someone. I love it's when somebody who normally would not be generous is generous with their time or their space or their kindness. And you offer that up. You take a moment, even witnessing them, to offer that up so that for them and for all living beings that someday may experience that type of generosity. So it's something you can constantly use. So that's called dedication of merit. So the merit we already talked about is virtue. And we dedicate it. We just simply let go. And we don't just let go of it and forget about it. We have this very systematic prayer style that we do. So after accumulation of merit, we say, this is a, a style I'll show you. May every living being experience the ultimate stage of awakening. That's one style. And this makes the merit inexhaustible, indestructible. So when we're finished with... Um, a practice or we've seen something amazing we offer this up to everyone and it makes the merit inexhaustible so that let's say um, there was a really good Q&A where someone said what if I have a really virtuous time and then I kind of blow it one month and I start being very negative or I do not the greatest things and Rinpoche said well if you've dedicated that merit already it's kind of in the bank you might say so you don't worry about that but for a moment I like to talk about kind of how vast 
are offering American bee. So not all of us are bazillionaires, so we can offer amazing amounts of offerings or build stupas or dharma centers or things. Um, and so I think sometimes people feel discouraged, and you shouldn't, because remember, we're going to talk about offerings in a moment. And these are real and imagined. But a wonderful dedication of merit prayer was done. There was, um, this is a, a story that Hemperum Shay has told many times of, during the life of Shakyamuni Buddha. At one point, he and his um, entourage, is probably hundreds of monks, they go to Vaisali every year to do a summer retreat because of the weather changes and the, it's better there to do retreat. And a king had said, come, I have come to my kingdom, I will feed you and house you and provide whatever you need for all those months. That's usually a couple of months. It was for a lot of people. And so the king was like, oh, I get to host the Buddha. I mean, how many of us when we're around the Lama visit think, oh, well, we you have to give that up. <laughs> so sitting outside the gate of where all this is going on were two beggars. And one of the beggars was so inspired. He offered up all the merit of the king of the past, present, and future. And he also very quietly made the aspiration, someday may I be as wealthy as him so I can also serve the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And he also offered the merit up of his, the queen, saying that he was so inspired how supportive she was and how hard she had worked. So at the very end of the whole event, Oh, and so why were the beggars there? Because that's usually where all the crumbs and the leftover food went. So that's what they ate. They didn't eat off the gold plates. They just ate, well, or bowls, whatever they gave the monks. They just ate the scraps. Now, the other monk was a little bit more disgruntled, but we're not going to talk about him today. That's too sad. <laughs> Let's just talk about the sweet monk. So then, after several months, at the end of the ceremony, it was very traditional for the Buddha to give thanks to the donors. And the very first one he gave thanks to, and he offered the merit, was for the beggar. The king was rather enraged. What beggar is he talking about? And the second person the, um, the Buddha offered the merit for was for the queen. And the third was the king, because he had to mention the king at some point. The king actually asked him, why wasn't I first on the list? And he explained how genuine this beggar had dedicated the merit for everyone, and particularly of the king, dedicating his merit and not having any jealousy, not wanting that, just with deep gratitude that he was able to serve so many people. And, this, and then he said the queen was second because she didn't have very much pride. She was very humble. And the king was third, because he had a lot of pride. The story later goes on. I don't know the timeline later, but it is said that the beggar was given a great deal of food after all this celebration, and he got drunk. He slept, laid down under a tree for over a day. And because of the genuine blessings he had received from the Buddha, the tree was said to move its branches to keep him in, in a shadow, not to be have any sunburn or any discomfort. 
And when he awoke, he had received so many blessings. People went to him realizing that he was very special. The king by then was gone and he was made the king. And then later he hosted the Buddha. So that is an example of very, very deep style of dedication of merit. And before I get into the seven branches, wow, I thought I would run out of time today. I'm just talking away here today. I thought for a minute I would give you my formula for how to dedicate merit. So this is the type of mind training. This is something you should start playing with. This is the real homework. I want you to pl play around with how, what do I see in front of me and how can I dedicate that and make it very beautiful so it inspires you to do even more of these. So um, it, it one of the components should be, it should be something beautiful that maybe you're familiar with. You know, a lot of these in the offering section, they mention flowers, incense, food, you know, all these different things. Often they mention the sun and the moon and the stars and oceans. That's not unusual. So it should be something beautiful, real and imagined. You can describe it a little bit if you wish. You can expand the amount so that it's not just, you know, a vase of flowers on my shrine. It's fields of flowers or planets of flowers. Then the audience would be the people in the past, present, and future. All living beings, not just humans, all living beings in all realms of the three times. So that's, that's just an idea. So now we're going to move on to talk about two of the seven branches. And then I think we'll do the, our exercise of playing with that formula. Oh, what the heck? Let's do it first. Let's spend a moment today. Let's pick something beautiful. So, you know, the image right now in the Ukraine is sunflowers. It just, they're so beautiful. So may the Ukraine and all the people there and all the Russian troops put down their arms, have peace. And may all the area that was torn up be filled with sunflowers. May all the people be healed, strengthened, and become more compassionate and help all living beings in the past, present, and future. And may all their virtue continue to help all living beings. So there's no more suffering in the world. So there'll be no more wars, no more conflicts, no more loss of life. So that would be one style of dedication of merit. You can make it very simple. Um, looking out today, it's so beautiful out. Well, it was. The sky is so blue. Um, just think we all, all beings enjoy such spaciousness of all times. As I said earlier, you see an act of kindness. You offer that up for that person, for the recipient of the kindness. And may that kindness spread to all living beings. And you could just really make this very rich. So there's a few examples. So now let's talk about the seven branches. We haven't really delved into them a little too much. So we talked about 
The purpose of doing the seven branch prayer is to accumulate merit. We talked about what accumulation of merit is. For, for all living beings, particularly there's three different groups, you see we offer this to sometimes. And we make these offerings using practices and prayers or aspirations. And at the end of those events, we dedicate all that merit so it becomes inexhaustible will never fail. It will always be there to continue spinning and giving that to everyone in the universe. Now, exploring the seven branches, the first one is homage, prostrations, or refuge. Sometimes it's considered actually separate. It's kind of interesting, and sometimes they're organized a little differently depending on the lineage. And sometimes the, the first one is called prostration, and that is done in all the others. So, the first is prostration and the second is offerings. And I think it's interesting that for most of us that have, like I have a small shrine in the back of me here, up there is a bit of a shrine, some shrine shrine bowls. And when I open my shrine in the morning, I make offerings. And when you, the simple act of offering water in your shrine, you should imagine that it is the purest of all substances and that it goes throughout the universe healing all living beings or taking away the thirst of all living beings. So you feel, I feel three shrine bowls of water. Then I do prostrations. So I or a prostration. And when I do that prostration, um, we sort of have a special way to do it. Prostration is where you actually physically do a prostration if you can, if not, you do it mentally. And you would stand up in front of your shrine and you take your hands and you cup them a little bit so you're holding a lotus bud in the middle and you put your hands on top of your head at your forehead and your throat. Some people do forehead, throat, heart. Either of those is fine. I like forehead, throat, and heart. This represents body in the forehead, speech in the throat, the heart is the mind. So body, speech, and mind. So we do that or you can say om, ah, hum. And then you go down on the floor. So your hands and your knees and the tops of your feet touch the floor. And you can stretch all the way out. And if, if you can't, if not, you just go down on all fours and then come back up. But normally we go all the way out to do a full long prostration. We have a short and a long. So you can do either of those. And that is what a prostration is, just to let you know. So... Why is it that we prostrate? According to the Karmapa, the 17th Karmapa, is to show respect by putting the five main points of our body to the ground while we are concentrating on the admirable qualities of the person to whom we are prostrating. Now, I have to mention, who are we prostrating to? We're prostrating to all the Buddhas of the past, present, and future. So even though I'm standing in front of my little cherry wood shrine in the back of me, if I can, I'm envisioning the entire sky is filled with Buddhas. Entire sky, of past, present, and future of the ten directions. So it can be pretty big. And if that's overwhelming, just think of a Buddha or think of your teacher, whoever it is that inspires you deeply. So that's how we do prostration and then we stand up. And if you're doing practices such as mundra, we actually do it with a mantra. But in this case today, we're not. This is just seven branch prayer. This isn't just, but this is the seven branch prayer. 
and um, and opening your shrines, what we were kind of backing up to. But that is an example of that. So moving on again. So remember that this is a, a prayer where primarily, even though the first two aspects, prostration and offering are, are a little bit more physical, you're offering things on your shrine, but still it's a mental um, a mental exercise. So you prostrate using your body, as I mentioned, you prostrate doing your speech, um, referring to the verbal praises and tribute that you make, uh, particularly towards your teacher, it would be in the prayer also. We're back to several branch prayer. And the prostrations are using your mind uh, by mentally you're showing respect and paying homage to that which inspires you so deeply to become awakened. And when we make an authentic prostration, our minds are filled with genuine respect. We should feel and be very moved. And sometimes you have to sit down for a moment and really think about what it is that your teachers have given you to make you feel such deep gratitude. We talked about our parents, but our teachers have essentially breathed Dharma into us, have fed us with Dharma and filled us with that nectar and shown us the path of loving kindness, compassion, and how to be very honest about who we are and what we can become. And we're very blessed in that way. So the next are offerings. Still have time for this. And by the way, all of these seven have antidotes. So the practice of prostrations or homage, the antidote is pride. It's to um, take and to get rid of pride. Offerings, obviously, would be miserliness. So we learned that often. Um, by making offerings to the Buddhas and enlightened beings, according to our capacities, we accumulate vast merit because they're enlightened beings. We talked about them earlier. Um, the real ones, usually things that are very beautiful, like flowers, incense, food, our physical body in service of the Dharma, and imagine the entire universe, unlimited beauty, stars, moons, oceans, galaxies. And how do we offer? We offer like that, that beggar, such vast, pure motivation, or are we a little more miserly? Even if you're miserly, still, still pretend you can do it. Still try it a little bit. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. But just doing the exercise is a type of training. And lastly, what's really important to note, the Buddhists don't need any of these things. They're beyond this type of attachment. They don't need this. But they're very pleased to see us practice and make unimaginable offerings because it shows that we're opening up, we're waking up, we're developing bodhicitta, we're doing selfless acts for all living beings. And the more you do, the better it gets. It's pretty amazing how it makes you keep growing. It's a very interesting engine almost, the seven branch prayer. And don't forget, I mentioned, use your creativity, especially when you're um, studying this. Do some exercises. Try and, and read 
prayers sometimes are very inspiring. I'm just trying to think if I have anything right around me. No, this is sitting, my iPad sitting on a beautiful book. It said it was so beautiful when they mentioned their style of summer branch prayer. They even talked about the lotus bud in your hand holding the lotus and filling the sky with lotuses that you're offering. I mean, you can imagine the sky is raining in flowers and beauty. It's There's no limit to what you can think of. The last one I'll talk about today is confession of negativity. So consider since beginning this time that we've created negativity of the 10 unwholesome actions. What are they? Taking lives or killing. This is kind of heavy, but I'll go quickly. The 10 unwholesome actions that we've all done since beginning this time. We've killed, killing, stealing, adultery, lies, disharmony, and the Sangha. So there's um, three of body, four of speech, three of mind. So for the body would be to kill, steal, or adultery. For speech, lying, disharmony in the Sangha, harsh speech, and gossip. And of the mind, envy, ill will, and wrong view of the Dharma. We also have something called the five acts of immediate consequence, which would be, this is on purpose, killing one's mother, father, an arhat, drawing blood from a Buddha, or creating schism in a community, a Buddhist community. So how do we confess? I talked a little bit about this the last time I spoke, which was we can do, use very formal prayers and also acts of aspirations. So the formal prayer I mentioned was the confession of the 35 Buddhas. Um, and then there's also another beautiful confessional prayer. I can't remember the name of it at this moment, I'm sorry, but that's also very beautiful. Also, another style of confession is also to speak with your gurus, your teachers. If there's something you did when you were younger or want to know how to process that, you do that. And we don't talk in terms of sins the way maybe other religions do. We've done things in the past, and a lot of these practices will purify them. And we're not to just be overburdened with that. We have enough neuroses. We just need to move through this and start living a much more virtuous life. So we do study what we've done. And we all have traits and, and neuroses. We, we all carry around anger or, or jealousy or miserliness, whatever we have. But as you see, the seven branch prayers kind of takes care of a lot of these and starts working on us very slowly. Um, let's see, now, when you do a confession and when you do formal confession, this is kind of built into the prayer. There's kind of the four powers. There's a lot of different ways to, I like when they use all R's, but I can't really find them all. You would have deep remorse. You sort of reflect on what you've done, have remorse for that. You have resources or support who you're confessing to, which would be to the Buddhas, particularly the 35 Buddhas of confession. You refrain from doing that again, and we resolve never to repeat that. And you really study why. It's not just, 
oh, bad me, I shouldn't do that. It's, you need to realize you might have tendencies for certain things. Um, this is a different part, but I'm going to mention it. Herbichet, one of his stories recounts, he was talking about his parents. And he said um, he had profound respect for his parents. In Tibetan culture, the woman, the mother is kind of more of the warm one, and the father's a little bit more disciplinarian. My family was opposite, but everyone's different. Um, and he said that at one point his he thought he was his father was going to kill him. He was very young, and he said he beat him so that he saw stars. And what had happened is Kabushi stole a mala from the neighbor, a beautiful mala. His father was incensed. And Rinpoche said, looking back, he was so grateful that his father kind of nipped in the bud his tendency to wanting to take things. And so he said, of course, in America, you would never do that now. But I know in my generation, you did. But um, so these practices are something to note that we have habits and tendencies, and that's why we're still here from beginningless time, why we're not fully awakened yet. And all these practices are kind of re reality checks, not to make us feel bad, but just to make us realize, oh, I have some work to do, and that's no problem. Okay, so I think I'm coming to the end of this. Um, so I'm going to just for a moment mention my resources. Um, the first was the two accumulations I mentioned, A Merit and Wisdom by Campbell Karcher Rupershev, his book, Chen Rezik. And he also has a nice section on all of these, the seven branch prayer, in a book called, it's a booklet called Transforming Mental Afflictions. I'll talk about it more the next time. It has another title. Um, there was a beautiful version of Shanti Deva I, I studied by Kempo David Karma Chappelle, Entering the Way of the Bodhisattva by Shanti Deva. And the last one was an article I just found on the internet by the Holiness of the Karmapa, 17th Karmapa, and it was called Seven Branch Prayer Embodies the Essence of Practice. It was beautiful, just like three or four pages. Again, and the last one is 17th Karmapa. Just put that in and put in Seven Branch Prayer. And it's a small article, a teaching that he gave. So for a moment, um, in lieu of all that we covered today, which was a lot, and I thank you so much for your patience. Let's just recap for a second. We do the seven branch prayer in order to generate an immense amount of accumulation of merit and dedicate, and dedicate that merit. So as we end today, another example of a dedication of merit right now, instead of us doing a formal prayer, let us sit up straight, relax our body, just breathe. Let's take a moment to dedicate all the goodness, the wisdom, the healing of the entire universe, particularly that towards peace and love and send that out throughout the world today the entire world, to all living beings. May they experience profound peace and love and wisdom. 
contentment. May warfare stop in its tracks. And may love prevail. And we send that out not just in our situation, but to the past and also to the future. For everyone, every living being, may they someday become awakened Buddhas. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Today I believe is March 6th, 2022. Thank you so much for being here. And good luck with your practice and remember, start playing around with beautiful dedications of merit, especially using the elements of nature and things that are really on your mind and in your heart. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Teksum Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.